0: Amen, amen. Just thank you. I just want to thank everybody who in the last few weeks through some transitions have just come forward and just been willing to uh, lead, help, participate, and we just appreciate all of you guys for doing that. If our children are here and they want to head off to Children's Church with Miss Victoria, you guys can head on back to the back. For those of you who are uh, sentenced to stay in here with me, you can turn with me to 1 Corinthians. We're going to be in chapter 15, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. How many of you've ever read the Bible and been confused? Anyone ever read the Bible and been confused? All right? How many of you try to explain scripture to people who have not been raised in church or maybe have no inclination as to what it has what it means uh, and have them be confused? Anybody? Anybody try to explain Jesus? All right. We we're celebrating today the most difficult part for everybody to understand. Our Lord and Savior got up out of the grave. Every other religious leader that has ever aspired to be godlike is still where in the grave. Ours is a risen savior. And that is so hard for the mind to comprehend and to wrap itself around. So when we go out and we try to share our faith and we try to tell people about Christ, or when we're in here this morning on Easter morning uh, uh, celebrating Resurrection Sunday, people don't get it. Stuff gets lost in translation. And so today when we read this passage and when we look at this, this is a difficult passage for us to read because there's a lot of Adam and Jesus and all kinds of stuff that's going on. So I want to stop for a minute and just explain to you, simplistically as I can, what has happened and how we have been made different, what our life means and what our li- and, what, and the fact that our life has meaning. Because lives that are separated from Christ Jesus, or separated from God, and don't know Christ Jesus, they're not really living. We're existing. We're passing through this place. But for us, there's a destination that we have in mind that's totally different from this. So in your Bibles, turn with me. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to look first at verses 20 through 22, all right? 20 through 22. But now Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep. For since by a man came death, by a man also comes the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all died, also in Christ all will be made alive. All right, now let me share something with you. Here's the point that I want to get out to you. We are born in transgression. Our life needs a change in direction. So if we are born into sin, that's what happens here. We're all of the lineage and of the line of Adam. Adam and Eve ate of the fruit of the tree of good and of evil, and they were cast out of the garden. That is sin. Sin was birthed right there. So as sin is born, us being man, being born of men and women, that is passed to us lineage-wise. So we are born into sin. Our babies that we hold are flawed, just like we are flawed. And the older they grow, the more you can see the character flaws of you in them, right? Amen? Amen. All right. And so we know that there are things that are wrong with them because there are things that are wrong with us. So if we're born into this sin and our direction is is that we're going to go through life that way and headed in that direction, we need a change of direction. That's not going to happen through the bloodline of Adam. So what had to happen was that God had to break that. God conceives in Mary a child. That child is not born of man, it is born of God. And through that child, and through the sinless life that he lives, we can now have a change of direction. We can now live a life that is different from that which everyone else in this world is born into. It is a a life of salvation. It is a life that we were created to live. It is going back to the way that God made it. It puts us back in the right relationship with Him. Why is that so important? It's so important because all of Scripture teaches us what Romans 3.23 and 6.23 have to say to us. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and for the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So if we were born into sin, and we lived that entire life in sin, then our life is going to die. When, when our life dies, we're going to be separated from God. Contrary to popular belief today, there is a hell. And that hell is separation from God. And so that is the path for our lives if we do not accept Christ as our Lord and Savior. I'm not trying to scare anybody. I'm not trying to run anybody off. I'm just trying to tell you the truth. This is truth. Our culture looks for and tries to find truth. This is the truth. Every other religious leader in the world is dead and in a grave because he was born of a man, born into sin, died in that sin, and is now what? Separated from God. Jesus Christ is not in a tomb. We're never going to find him. Why? Because he has risen into heaven and he is beside the Father. The Father who created us. Why did he do that? Why did he want to have a relationship with us? We are his creation. We are the height and the manifestation of his creation. We're just flawed because we allowed sin to come into our lives. And if we stay in that sin and we die in that sin... There's a separation that is there. That death is a passing out of this life into something that is much, much, much worse. So we are born in transgression. Our life needs a change of direction. Let's continue on in the passage. We're going to look at 1 Corinthians 15. Skip on down. We'll look at verses 35 and 36. But someone will say, how are the dead raised? And with what kind of body do they come? You fool, that which you sow does not come to life unless it dies. John 8, 12 says that a seed must fall to the ground and it must die to germinate and truly become what it's, what it's supposed to be. The seed in our life has to die. We have to die to ourselves. And when we die to ourselves, then we truly become alive. Because then we become what we were supposed to be, a child of God. It's no longer I that liveth, but Christ that lives in me. That's what Paul says. So when we die to ourselves, it's no longer us that we live for, we live for Christ. We live to be a child of the King. We live to be a Christ-like person in a lost world. We live to suffer and to serve at His will and His beckon, at His calling. We rejoice when He brings glory into our lives. He brings joy and peace into who we are. He separates us out from the world. There's something different about us than before. There's a change in our direction. We've moved from one place to the next place. Because we're no longer living here and for this life. We're living for that which is beyond us. There are names on the windows here at Mount Salem Baptist Church. These people are gone, but they're not forgotten. And the message that they live for is here in this place and lives on through us. And just as they have passed, we will pass. And what we leave behind is not a bank account and not stuff. What we leave behind is the influence of the life in which we've lived for Christ. What do you want to be known for? How shall we live? The thing we need to see here is that not only are we born in transgression and need a change of direction, we are being transformed. There is a change in our condition of who we are. Instead of being lost, we are now found. Instead of a life of hopelessness, we have a life of hope. Instead of living in a world that knows no peace, we know peace, which passes all understanding. Instead of living in a world that does not know what true love is, we know love. We know an unconditional love. A love that gives to us no matter what. The love that looks past our sin. We get caught up in our sin. We get caught up in the things that we do that are wrong. We look at ourselves. He sees beyond us. He is doing things that we can't even imagine or even think about in our lives and then through our lives. It's like a young child So you have a young child, and and the first thing, have you ever, do you remember back when on on your own personal, your children as they were growing up, when they said the first witty thing, or the first thing that you thought, how in the world, I didn't even see that. They saw this. How did they grasp that and get this understanding? Where did this come from? This is not of my bloodline. You know what? They see things. Why? Because what does Scripture call for us to have a what type faith? Childlike faith. We're supposed to live with this wonder. We're supposed to live with this awe. We're supposed to live with this reverence that God is not only living in us, but he's in everything around us. And when we see it that way, we are being transformed. We are being made into the image of Christ. We are not there yet. We will never finish on this side. Always a work in progress. Goodness gracious, we were talking about a road where we lived before we moved up here. They worked on that road for seven years. How many of y'all live on Spout Springs? Any of y'all live on Spout Springs? God bless you. Y'all are in for it. You know what I'm saying? How long is it going to take them to build that road? Forever. So how many years and years and years are they going to be signed? Detour. Get over here in this lane. We are under construction just like that. Don't look at that. I'm still working on that. Let's go over here. Let's look at this part of my personality. We're always under construction. There's always signage that needs to be moved around in our lives. We are being transformed. We are changing our condition. condition. We will never be perfect, but that doesn't mean we throw our hands up and say, I can't do it. I just can't do it. We're not to sit on the sidelines. We're to be involved. We're to work. And that's what it is. Philippians says that we are working out our faith. So as we're working out our faith, as we're seeking to see God move in our lives, as we're changing direction and then the condition of who we are we're becoming more like god created us to be scripture says this let's let's continue on to read verses 42 through 44 so also is the resurrection of the dead it is sown in a perishable body but is raised in an imperishable body can't say that three times real real fast it is sown in dishonor and it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness and raised in power. It is sown in a natural body. It is raised in a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Notice this passage of what it said right here. It says up in the very beginning, the first part which we read, that we're not dead, we're asleep. The, the New Testament constantly refers to us to being asleep. The bodies over there are not gone. They will be resurrected one day. They will be resurrected, not in a natural body, but in a spiritual body. Not into something that is perishable, that is fading away, that gets wrinkles, that loses its hair, that does all of those things. Loses their eyesight, can't hear anymore. Amen? Come on Amen. with me this morning, right? Am I the only one? No, that's all of us. We're passing away. Passing away. But that is not the end. When we are raised, we will be raised with a spiritual body that is imperishable. That does not bring dishonor, that brings honor to God. There's going to be something different. The transformation then will be complete. We have to die to truly be what God wants us to be. Here while we're living, we have to die to ourselves. And then when this body passes away, then we become something that can glorify God forever. I know that that's hard for us to believe. We can't see it. It's hard for us to tell the world about this. But it is truth. How do we know it to be so? Because we have faith. We believe it. Ephesians 1, 2, verse 1, and then verses 4 and 5 says this. And you were dead in your trespasses and sin, but God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says this, but we all, with an unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord the Spirit. Hey. Moses goes up on the mountain to get the Ten Commandments. He comes back down. When he comes back down from the mountain, what happens? Does anybody remember? His face was what? Face was glowing. It was so bright that they had to put a veil. They had to cover his face. They had to cover his face because they couldn't look upon it because it was so brightly shining because it had been in the presence of God. Is that the way we walk out of church on Sunday mornings? When you meet your waitress for lunch today, is your face going to be shining brightly? Are you going to be going, I've been waiting 20 minutes in line with everybody else because it's Easter Sunday, and I better get some food in a hurry. God bless you. No, our face needs to shine with the glory of God. We need to know that we have been in His presence when we come in this place. This is not a Sunday routine. This is meeting Christ, meeting God. And coming here with open eyes, open ears to see and to hear what he has to say to us. Then letting him transform, work on our hearts, walking out of here, not feeling dejected, but not, but knowing the reality that we got to go out and do some work. And when we go out and do that work, that we are going to glorify God. That's what this is. That is living alive. That is living alive. That's not just breathing and existing. That's not sitting in a world with no hope. That's not sitting in a world with no peace. That's not sitting in a world with no love. That is living alive. That is being alive around everyone that we come in contact with. That's being a blessing. That's shining forth. That's everything that Scripture tells us to do. So we are being transformed There's a change that's taking place in our condition. All right, now we're going to skip down to a big section down here, and I'm sure that I won't read this properly since I've already messed up three or four different times. But in verses 50 through 57, let's give it a shot. Now I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep. "...but we will all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed... For this perishable must put on an imperishable, and this mortal must put on immortality. But when this perishable will have put on the imperishable, and the mortal will have put on immortality, then they will come about with saying that that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? reason they're capitalized, that's direct Old Testament quotes. The sting of the death of sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We are transitioning. We are changing our location. So not only are we born in transgression and there's a change in our direction, we are being transformed, a change in our condition. We are being We are in transition, changing our location. This is not my home. I don't know about you guys. I don't want to be here forever. This place is getting worse by the minute. It surely is, isn't it? You read something every single week that you're going, I didn't know a human being could do that to somebody else or to something, to say that or act that way. Look, Scripture says this. We are given over to the depravity of our mind. Yes, this is in every single one of us. The propensity through sin when given over to sin is to live like that. The only thing that saves me from that is the grace of God. Every time we see something like that, we shouldn't be going, What a heathen! We should be going, Thank you, Jesus. Because you have saved me from that. Because inside of me lives that apart from you. But if we no longer live for all of this, and we learn to live with a different location in mind, then when this all passes away, when this all passes away, it won't be such a hard thing for us. I'm going to go on and tell you this. I'm not, I'm not sure you're all going to show up. But when I die, don't cry. Y'all good with that? Tomorrow I can cry. But the rest of y'all, no, no, just kidding. Don't cry. I've gone home. I've gone home. I don't know what the condition of this will be like when I get there. When I get to that point. But don't shed a tear for me, because I have moved on. I have moved on from this place. I have moved on to my home. I've given up the perishable, and I've changed it for that which cannot die. I have been transformed into what God created for me to be. I have fulfilled my life and my calling, and what God has placed on my plate, and I have lived the days which he has numbered out. And we should all feel that way. You know, I think about Billy Graham. Billy Graham lived to 99 years of age. He saw so, so many things. But I wonder if the end of his life, which I know is at the end of life, if you hear any of the things that he was talking about, you know what he was ready for? Ready to go home. Ready to go home. Guys, we got a job to do. We got to be busy about it. We got to get to work we got to live what we say we believe. we got to be alive. But we also have to realize that this is not our home. And we got to stop living like we belong here. We can't do God's work because we're caught up in our work. Amen? Amen? And when we're caught up in our work, then we have not died to ourselves. And we are still living for the perishable. How many of you have ever bought a new car? New car. Anybody bought a new car? Anybody ever had a new car? All right. What did you do the first time it got dinged or something broke on it? Or they told you it was going to cost more to repair it because this is broken. You're going, that ain't under warranty. What's going on? What did we do? We just got upset, didn't we? that is a perishable thing we have not been in our house six months bought a brand new house in this area moved from this area and stuff has already broken our dishwasher wasn't working right tim call and get that fixed thank goodness it was under warranty and we got it fixed but i've actually had a truck 60,000-mile warranty, and the transmission go out at 66,000 miles. And you talk about somebody who was a happy camper? No, not me. I'm like, I had not even paid this thing off yet, man. It is made to be broken. Do you get it? All the stuff here is dying. All the stuff here is going to get broke. It's the second law of thermodynamics. Go and read it. It's all breaking down. Even our world is breaking down. The only thing that's going to fix it is when Christ comes back again and it is made anew for him. Same thing with me. The only thing that's going to fix this is Christ Jesus. Know this, my wife prays for that all the time. Lord, fix him! Lord, fix him! It will not be finished. It will not be fixed until we get to the place where we're supposed to be. We are in transition. The Bible speaks of us in the Old Testament as sojourners. We're just passing through this land. Why did he live in a tent? Why did they wander around for 40 years and he lived, God lived in a tent? The Holy of Holies was in a tent. Don't complain about where you live. Don't complain about what you go through. Why? Because there is somebody on this planet that has been through worse. Jesus had no home. They took all of his clothes. They divided them up. He died with nothing. Same thing he came in the world with. Whenever he seemed to get it, he gave it away. That made Judas mad because he wanted to hang on to it, use it for the greater good. We can't have these thoughts and these mentalities. If our life is truly to be lived Christ-like, I'm not asking you to come up here and write a check for everything in your savings account and place it in the offering plate. I'm telling you to be the steward that God has called you to be. That means manager of what you've been given. That means you got to manage this. I'll just take a pill. I ain't going to change nothing. Don't do that. Fix it. Do what you can to get the most out of this. When he gives it to you financially, be the steward of it. When he gives it to you physically, vehicle, house, furniture, groceries, whatever it is, be a good steward of it. Be a good manager of that which you've been given. That's the only way God is ever going to bless us and give us more while we're passing through. We gotta understand this for what it is. Philippians three twenty says this, for our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. When Christ comes again, those of us who are still breathing and walking around will see those, will will be called up into the sky and then see those who are, are raised, raised from the dead. And we will go home in an instant to be with Him. All this will be over. Now, haven't y'all seen the movies? Nobody wants to be left behind, right? We don't want that. So for us to have and know what we, who we are, how we should live, and what our life's all about, we have to surrender it. We have to let it go. I hope this morning that you saw a passage that said perishable, imperishable, perishable, imperishable, and went over and over and over again, that seems sometimes difficult to read. I hope that you, through all of this, have seen the simplicity of the gospel. It's simply this. You're born to die. The only thing that's going to change that relationship is salvation through Jesus Christ. Surrender your life to Christ. Die to yourself. Don't live for yourself anymore. Live for Him. And as you live for Him, realize that this is not your home. And no matter what happens on this side, let me tell you this. I'm going to leave you with this. This is hell for us. This is as bad as it gets. Now I want you to think of something else. For those who are separated from Christ, this is as good as it gets. This is as good as it gets. Living in this is as good as it gets. Living like this is as good as it gets. But those of us who are children of God, this is as bad as it gets. If we can make it through, if we can finish the race that God has set before us, He will say, well done, good and faithful servant. Amen? Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Gracious Father, I thank you so much for the fact that um, sometimes your word, as we read it, is difficult for us to digest. But Father, I just thank you so much for the simplicity of a relationship with you. I thank you for the fact that you have prepared us to live with you. You've created us to live with you. And Father, I pray that in everything that we do, that we will set forth how... Not this affects us, but how this affects mine and your relationship. How does this affect who I am in Christ Jesus? If we filtered everything through that, how much mess would we get out of our life? Father, help us this morning to see the reality of focus. To see the reality of a life well spent, lived for you to see what it means to know you and then to make you known. And nothing else matters. Father, we give you all the praise and honor and glory for who you are and what you're about to do in our midst and what you you are doing in and around us right now. We love you, Lord. and So much thank you for the fact that you loved us enough to send your son to die for us. These things we pray in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to stand together and we're going to sing. I don't know where you are. I don't know what condition you're in. I pray that you know the Lord is your Lord and Savior. If you don't, today is that day. If you need someone to